Hi, I'm Connie Wilkes. I'm Marlene Nelson. I'm Jerry Gropp. And I'm Sherry Spute. And our last names make up the acronym WINGS. We're just four ordinary moms with extraordinary bonds. The Lord gathers us all under His wings as a hen gathers her chicks, and we hope to offer a place to gather for our friends, family, and all who wish to join us. So welcome to our podcast conversation, Under His Wings. Welcome back, everybody. We're happy that you're here with us today for a mini podcast. (laughs) Yes. We're going to do a little short one. Do you think we can talk very short? No, we can very <laughs> shortly. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, everybody. <laughs> so I wanted to start out by telling you about a place in the United States, in the state of California called Death Valley. It is the hottest, driest place in America. It can get even over 120 degrees Fahrenheit. And their average yearly rainfall is less than two inches a year. That's not very much water. It's just sand, salt, rock. It just goes on forever and absolutely nothing grows. It's just dry and barren wasteland. Hence the name Death Valley, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But what most people don't know is that right below the surface of the earth, there is a miracle waiting to happen. And in the winter of 2004, there was a thunder and lightning storm like they hadn't seen. And it rained and rained so much that there were flood warnings, the roads were closed. I think they had seven inches of rain that year, or that winter. Mm. And just a few days after that first storm, then another storm came that just rocked their socks off and roads were washed away. Water was rising in the valley. There were two 20-ton restrooms that I saw. I was watching a video and they just floated. They were just floating away. (laughs) And they said they'd go down like 200 feet Mm. with poles. You know, yeah, it was just crazy. But the miracle was in the spring that year, there were these perfect seeds waiting below the surface for a chance to shine. And shine they did. Visitors to Death Valley that year got to see a phenomenon called a super bloom, where the whole valley is covered in all different kinds of wildflowers. Some even grow right out of the cracks in the rocks. And this super bloom proves that Death Valley isn't dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's just beautiful. And it's it's just dormant. And below the surface are seeds of possibility, just waiting for the right conditions to become what they were meant to be. Now, thousands upon thousands of blooms show that even in the harshest of circumstances, the potential is just waiting to be realized. Mm -hmm. So when I heard about this, um, my mind went to hundreds of analogies, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's what we do. We think of millions of analogies. And so is that where you guys' minds go when you hear me talk about that? It just gave me goosebumps, actually. (laughs) Because obviously we were thinking of things that had meaning yeah. in our lives or I wouldn't have gotten goosebumps. It would have right. just been... <laughs> it was just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, yeah, I wish I could have seen it. 
Yeah. I was thinking, how did you even hear well, about you it? you can. You can go look at it on YouTube. But I wouldn't even have <laughs> known it existed. How did you even I was listening to a podcast. Oh. <laughs> there's a podcast on education, and he was talking about, you know. Oh, the potential. The potential yeah. that's, that's there. Yeah. And in fact, since I said that, I will link that podcast because it was a good podcast too. So. Oh, I'd that's love cool. to. And I wanted to see a picture of yeah. what it looked like. Yeah. The, Super bloom. That super bloom. Yeah, mm. it's cool. So, so tell me some of the things that it makes you think of when when you hear that story. What are some of the analogies you think of? Well, I immediately started um, wondering. You know, what dormant seeds do I have just lying underneath the surface mm. that maybe you know, with yeah. some nourishment of rain from the Savior, could possibly bloom into beautiful flowers. Oh, I love time. that. I don't know. And then my next thought was kind of how um, it's been some some stormy experiences in life, some real thunderstorms, hard times that have helped to bring out beautiful moments, you know, and helped me oh, to yeah. grow into the person that the Lord needs me to be today. Of course, I'm still a very, very long way. <laughs> I'm more like... Maybe a little seedling instead of a flower in full bloom. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I think would. you're a beautiful I flower. Think so too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there really are so many analogies, right? When we think about that. There are. And, you know, that's why stories are so powerful. Um, so is it any wonder that Christ used parables to teach so many different principles? Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and his, his words were always... For those that have ears to hear, let them hear, mm-hmm. right? Because he didn't he didn't ex- usually explain his parables. Um, he just usually told them. And then everybody draws their own conclusions. And there's tons of conclusions. So today we wanted to just talk about some different, really just three parables, our favorites. Mm-hmm. Not even our favorites, because all of them are our favorites. Exactly. <laughs> but just three. yeah I really love a good story it's fun to listen to and I think it is a very powerful teacher because when you're listening to a story you tend to let your guard down a little bit right and you just kind of sit back and enjoy it and then all of a sudden the spirit can start teaching you or helping you apply it and I think it's amazing how the savior was able to teach such important principles without being preachy or without that in-your-face type approach, especially with the Pharisees who were always trying to trip him up. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how you can hear a story and, or that parable, and the Spirit customizes it to your need and to your life and your circumstances, and it can change over time. I just thought about the reason that some of the Pharisees and Sadducees had such a hard time was because they're, they're listening to the story, mm-hmm. but... I think their consciences yep. are definitely feeling the guilt because they're getting, a, you know, they're what understanding it. Yeah. I think you're right. I think the spirit was even working with them. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, one of my favorite parables, and it's very well known, is the prodigal son. And I don't know why it's my one of my favorites. Maybe because I can relate to so many different parts of it. And maybe it's because I have so many prodigal sons myself, you know, (laughs) in my own life that I'm just standing and waiting and watching and hoping for their return. Um, And so most of you are probably familiar with this parable, so I'm just going to do a really quick recap. 
um, there's a man that had two sons, and the younger son demanded his inheritance while his father was still alive. And um, the father relented, and so this son took his father's money to a far-off land and, we're told, wasted it on riotous living. And I've thought about that and how difficult that must have been because at that time, you know, they lived in family clans. So he was the younger son. He would have got a third of his father's inheritance. That would have been a lot of land, a lot of animals, right? right? A lot of money. And so to take that and liquidate it so that you could then go off into a far-off land, it probably hurt even more than just the father and mother, right? Right. Extended family as well. Anyway, in time, a famine came into the land, and the rebellious son found himself penniless. He was broke, and he was actually feeding swine to survive, which in his culture would have been about the most demeaning job you could do. Because, yeah, pigs were considered unclean. So they weren't even allowed or supposed to touch them at the time. And so one day he eventually awoke to his awful situation. Uh, The scriptures say he came to himself. Yeah, I love that thought. I love how they put that, came to himself. Mm -hmm. And he decided to return to his father's household and just beg him. To, to at least be a servant because he knew that the servants at home were getting far better than what the pigs were at this time, which is what <laughs> he was eating off of. And, um, you know, I've, I've thought about how we too are each like this prodigal son in different ways. There's, there's been times that we've been rebellious in one way or another, and although it might look a little different for each of us, we, we do all sin. And... It might not quite look like what somebody would call riotous living. But, you know, all of us have left the presence of our Father to go to a far-off land here on earth. And sometimes we do waste the blessings and the gifts and the inheritances that our Father has given us. And at times we'll find ourselves broken and alone, recognizing that we need to turn back to our Father and repent. But what the father does next in the parable is one of the greatest teaching points for me. As he sees the, his son coming, he doesn't just sit back with his arm folded, you know, tapping his foot, waiting <laughs> to see, has my son really changed? Is he going to say sorry? You know, I'm going to give him a stern talking to. <laughs> you know, yeah. we've all yeah. probably done that a few yep. times as a parent <laughs> when our so. kids have made mistakes. In um, Luke fifteen twenty, we read the, how the father saw him from a great way off and ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. And as soon as the son stretched to profess his unworthiness to his father and says, please just, you know, let me be your servant. I'm not worthy anymore. And instead, the father, he asks his servants, to go get his best robe, ring, and shoes, and to place them on the sun. I love that. And you know what? I Like like you said, I love that he ran to him, but I think one of the neat things is he saw him from afar off. So you think, was he looking every single day, every hour, watching, watching for right. that sun to come home? Mm-hmm. Ah, Watching, waiting. Thoughts. Yes. And then to just take off running. When, yes. you know, a lot of the 
Middle Eastern men, it's would have that would have been considered undignified, right? Because they like to, to carry themselves, mm-hmm. you know, in a very um, dignified manner. Yeah. So to pick up your, the hem of your robe and take off running, yeah, that says how much the father loved his son. Yeah, kind of had a thought when you said he was there waiting and watching, and I know that that's I've always heard that too. But then just now, the spirit kind of said, but he might have been busy, but then. The prompting came to him to go look. And I think, you I know, he's probably going about what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. But he was in tune enough to say, to hear the Spirit say, go to your front door and look out. Do you I think? Possibly. <laughs> well, possibly. yeah, of course. Because mm-hmm. you're right. He couldn't have just been sitting there all I day long. All day long. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, I love that, Connie. And then to give him his best robe. Right. Right, and bring and well, that means he had to have had those ready Mm -hmm. because they would have had to fit him shoes and yes, you know. So maybe they always were there waiting for him, and they, I don't know, I just thought about that too. Yeah, I don't know, but it is one way that the father was declaring to the rest of the family clan that this son is to be forgiven. He's Mm -hmm. not going to be disowned. He's not going to be cast out because tradition of the time would have had. The rest of the family do just that. Right. And, I mean, I just love that. Mm-hmm. That that Christ was all about breaking tradition, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. And, and to know that our Father in Heaven, no matter what we've done, he will always welcome us home and celebrate our return, just as this Father did. He'll always have a robe and a ring and shoes ready mm-hmm. for us and be willing to kit kill the fatted calf and have a celebration. He is even willing to bless us with all that he has. And so I have to ask myself, you know, shouldn't I, shouldn't we also extend that same mercy and grace to our loved ones who may have wandered for a time? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great lesson as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have one character left in the, this parable, and that is the oldest son. And so I have a question for you guys. What do you learn from the older son in this parable? Well, I mean, all of us know he, that older son was kind of ticked off mm-hmm. because he'd been, you know, stayed with his father. He worked every day. He well, I did got thinking about when you say he's worked every day. His load was now doubled because right. the sun was gone. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, how often do we get burdened because somebody's choices mm-hmm. really not just affect us, but really physically, emotionally, mentally, financially affect us. Right. Negatively like, affect us. In a family. Yes. And I, I think yeah. that's everybody. Exactly. I, all of us have that, you know. I just hear Mason telling me it's not my day. I'm like, do the dishes. It's not my day. (laughs) Well, soon you're going to be the only one here and every day is going to be your day. So, (laughs) but yeah, I, I think that we can all learn a lesson from that father who put his arms around that son and told him how much he loved him and how everything that he had was still that son's Mm -hmm. and he was grateful for him. But his brother was back, and that was reason to rejoice. To rejoice yeah. And so one, one more thing. Did you have anything, Connie? Because um, one thing I was thinking about, though, um, I think it was 
Michael Wilcox, who talked about this in a podcast from Come Follow Me, that often we kind of side with the brother because we understand like how he feels and you kind of feel mm-hmm. a little bit like you want to say, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit sad for that brother. And then Michael Wilcox, and only the way he can say it, he says, it's because we all think we're that brother. Mm-hmm. And we're not. No. <laughs> we are all the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And how grateful we are for a heavenly father who, who loves us and welcomes us back and runs to us and gives us all those things that are fitted, like you said, just for us. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And that we have an older brother who celebrates our return. Yeah. So ho- so hopefully we can all learn to, to rejoice and celebrate with those who have returned, regardless yeah. of maybe what pain or extra work they might have cost us. Mm-hmm. I love I it. I so too. Love that it. Thanks, awesome. Sharon. Yeah, great. So thank you. I liked that. I thought I, I needed that. <laughs> I didn't realize that we're all the prodigal. Sometimes I think that I would be the other side, but you're right. The only reason I would think and relate to the other brothers because I would think, I've been here. I've been doing this and this and this. And, yeah, I've been cleaning all day long. Yeah. What have you been doing? <laughs> You've been playing golf, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, it's a natural man tendency. <laughs> For sure. Speaking of cleaning, so that kind of goes into oh, my yeah, to my parable <laughs> because I think that's why I had a relation to this one. My um my one of my favorites is the last coin parable, and it's just always been one of my favorites. I think it's because it it also has many layers to it, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't think so. It's only like two verses long, and it's sandwiched in between the prodigal son and the lost sheep. So you can find some correlations as you're going along, but I, because there are so many different ways you can understand parables, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but I connected with this one so much. It is about a woman who had 10 coins and she loses one. And so she is frantically sweeping, trying to find it. And she searches and she clears out a whole house and she looks for it and she finds it. And then once she finds it, she comes out rejoicing and, and tells everybody, look what I found my lost coin. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, I mean, we can all relate to, we've lost something and when we have that joy, but you know, I just felt strongly about how, I mean, I'm a, I'm a masterful sweeper of floors. (laughs) Yes, you are. I I know that I have been, I don't maybe not have I, I might not have anything really valuable, but I have a lot of things that have been lost. Mm-hmm. And so I, I especially, <laughs> my children and my husband lose things because we all know moms never lose things. They put everything back when they're done with it. So they know exactly where it's at. Okay. 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 I'm okay, a prodigal, maybe not me. I'm a prodigal mom. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> but anyway, um, but I kind of felt a kinship to this woman because I don't know. She had such determination and it was just admirable. Um, like many parables though, it's, I sometimes just usually stay with the basics. So story of lost story of found and rejoicing. But recently I was just studying it a little bit more deeply and I concentrated even more on maybe what was the value that was placed on those coins 
So I kind of focused on the coins for a half a second. And I got thinking, you know, the value of lost items is really relative to the person. Right. And mm-hmm. what it is. And yeah. So let's think about the words that describe the situation. It says that she had 10 coins, but one became lost. But what if these 10 coins were the equivalent to life or death? A medical procedure, mortgage, rent, or homelessness? Taxes, debt, or default? I mean, who knows? So I kind of reflected on that, and I thought, what was she so desperate about? What are the emotions she must have felt while searching, you know, striving for to meet a need? Right. The the worry, the desperation, the the fear. So I don't know. I just got into this emotional state with her. And I just felt like, what if we're comparing, you know, obviously it's because it's between those two parables, we can see the, you know, the comparing it to a lost soul, which is the ultimate right. concern. Right. But our day-to-day worries are just as important to the Lord. So, you know, our lost hope. How often do we wonder if our search is really that important or that we're capable of continuing to search so hard for something and so we just give up and we plop down on the floor among the pile of dust, hopeless, dejected and lost ourselves. I mean, who's going to find us in the lost cracks of society? Who believes we have it in ourselves to find our value? you know, who comes to us and looks with us, um, in our home and even has, you know, that just sees us and who believes that we have value. I love that. I you love know, that, yeah. Connie. I, that's crazy. I've never seen that in that. But I think so. Beautiful. I think sometimes we judge people based on, yeah, obviously what they're spending their time on mm-hmm. their urgency, you know, and, but does, so does that keep us from respecting their struggle enough to willingly step into their house? Um, what if we had eyes to see beyond their outward actions and to their inward emotions? So let's think, what was this woman's expressions, her facial expressions, her posture, her mumbling sad words? What are those telling us? Did we even think to look at her? I mean, not just her outward efforts, but the time she was um, striving to find what she was looking for. What if she never found that coin but gave up? Maybe she wouldn't have even had it in her to come out and ask for help. But more importantly, what if we did see that struggle? We halt our personal opinions and give place to value what she valued enough to offer genuine help. I'd love to see a tribe of living angels exiting that house with the woman. Can you just see their arms clasped <laughs> high above their heads in a victory shout of camaraderie and community? And we have found it. She's found herself. Mm. You know, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And I just really feel like there's great joy in rejoicing together. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. And valuing people and valuing what they value. I love that. It's hard to Seeing do. into their hearts. I mean, I've yeah. had a personal experience recently where I'm just like, oh, come on, get over it. It's not that big of a deal. But no, it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it really is a matter of a soul because you cannot really help someone unless you are letting yourself feel the emotions mm-hmm. that they're feeling so that you can relate, you can help, that you can be a genuine 
friend and go assist. That's beautiful. Wow, Connie. Seriously, I had not looked at that. Par- those two little sentences in that <laughs> two parable. Verses, That's yeah. beautiful. That is that is the beauty Thank of you. parables. Mm-hmm. I have to say, as I was thinking, the Spirit just taught me a lesson. And so I can't say any of this was my own correlation to things. And that's how it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty behind the parables of Jesus. I, I think they're just like an onion. And they have so many layers. And if we keep peeling, we eventually find ourselves weeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it took me a long time to figure out which parable I wanted to talk about. Because, they're, like I said, they're all my favorites. And, I, <laughs> and so I decided... Um, that I would just kind of end the way I started, talking about seeds. And the Lord tells a story, a parable of some seeds that fell on different types of ground. And the first one fell by the wayside or the side of the road where they got trampled down, eaten by birds, carried off, and they were gone before they could even start thinking about taking root. And the next ones, they fell on stony ground where there's just this thin layer of dirt, enough for them to spring up quickly, but they don't really have any staying power because there was no root. Mm -hmm. So when the sun came out, they were scorched and they withered away. And then there were some that fell in the thorn patch and they grew and they had some roots, but the thorns were just too powerful and so they got choked out. And then there were those that fell on the good ground and they took root and they grew and they gave lots of fruit. It says that some gave a hundred, some 60 and some 30. So my son Mason and I were talking last night about what it means to bring forth fruit, right? I Mm -hmm. said, what I asked him if he knew what that meant. And he said, I don't know, doing service. <laughs> I thought it was cute. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, actually. That's it, but right. doing can, good picking stuff. Picking that fruit and bring it over. <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take the fruit to the neighbors. Well, that good ground and those deep roots keep us grounded in our Savior. And some people obviously do more than others, right? They, they bring forth more fruit than others. Mm-hmm. You guys bring lots more fruit than I do. So, and you're so, the one with 10 but kids. The Lord, so. <laughs> well, we're talking about that fruit, yes. But the Lord's telling us that it doesn't matter. It, you know, it doesn't matter how much. Some 160, 30, as long as it's the good stuff, right? Right? The Lord wants our hearts. And so, I feel like this parable teaches me to inspect my heart for what kind of ground it has. Is it soft and pliable with lots of good fertilizer, like scriptures and prayer and loving others and doing service? And that's going to help that seed of faith grow larger and larger. Mm -hmm. Or are we, do we get really excited about stuff only to get overwhelmed when the sun grows hot and things don't look as easy as they once had? And I think that we all can be guilty of that from time to time. Sure. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we let the cares of the world and the opinions of those around us choke out the faith that we once had. And I think this is kind of prevalent today. Mm-hmm. Lots of thorns in the world right now. Yeah. There are. And, and they're growing right around us. 
And so they must be growing in good ground, mm. right? Mm-hmm. They've yeah, got roots. I didn't think of They're that. growing right alongside wow. those seeds that are trying to plant their roots. And so as those seeds get into that ground, that good ground, and start to grow their roots and grow taller and taller, they have to be strong, mm-hmm. strong enough um, to withstand those thorns or let the gardener come in and help mm. pull and weed and plant. And sometimes that hurts. Yeah, it's true. You know, um, but I think testimonies are can be strangled and withered away if we're not careful of those thorns around us. The weeds, the many weeds that can put pressure on us. Yeah, yeah. So what's what's our takeaway from today? Wow, so much. I'm sitting here thinking about what, where's my root? You know, how deep is my root? Am I willing to... With, you know, not weather away. Yeah. It's been hot outside today. I was kind of withering. <laughs> so I wonder, yeah. Yeah. And and what kind of fertilizer are we putting yeah. putting down? And I I think we need to remember that we have a father that stands at the window waiting for us to come come to ourselves. He wraps us in his arms and he'll be with us and help us weed our soil making it rich and fertile with his word and his living water. And he's, he's teaching us to see others and love others. And as we plant those seeds of faith, uh, we need to be diligent in helping the others do the same thing. Absolutely. Right. So we would encourage you all to go find your favorite parable this week and see what it has to teach you. May you have ears to hear what the Lord wants you to hear. And until next time, may you stay safely under his wings.